Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Born to Talk Radio Show. I'm your host, Marsha Waiteka. Conversations plus connections equals community. Those are my three C's. The heart of my show is what's your story? It's my belief we all have stories. Some are similar, others are uniquely different. Storytelling brings the passions of my guests to life through our conversations. So be prepared to be entertained, informed, and inspired. Welcome to today's show. Well, hi, everybody, and thank you for joining me today with my guest, Jerry Nylans. She is the president, owner, and co-founder, and a really cool woman, but that doesn't have that on her title, of Trade Press Services. Welcome to the show, Jerry. Thank you for having me, Marsha. I really appreciate it. Oh, this is this is great. It's great on a, on multiple levels because you and I have met in person on more than one occasion. Um, you have actually sent a client of yours to me a couple of years ago, and we have a lot of interesting things that we share in common. But I always feel it's a great way to start a podcast by, like, who are you? So please just tell us a little bit about yourself as we learn more about what you do. Thank you. Uh, surprisingly, I am a native Californian. I think I'm one of the few left. No, uh, no, there's two of us. <laughs> there's two of us. I I grew up in the San Fernando Valley, which, as you know, is part of Los Angeles, during the 50s when life was simpler and more wholesome probably than it is today. Uh, for the first 13 years, I lived with my parents and two younger brothers, uh, all of whom have passed away mm. by now. Then came the 60s, oh my goodness, the 60s with the Beatles, uh, rock music, uh, <laughs> long the age hair, of Aquarius. <laughs> the age of Aquarius. Uh, yes. My father was so angry with me for taking my 16-year-old brother to see that play because of <laughs> the famous scene. And, uh, of course, it was the start of the U.S. involvement in the Vietnam War. Yes. And then when it was time to go to college, my father asked me, which of the UC campuses did I want to go to? I didn't have my choice of out of state, and he turned his nose up at state universities because he Mm -hmm. felt they were inferior. So I picked Santa Cruz. And I earned a B.A. in psychology and then did some postgraduate work in early childhood education. Um, so that's that's a little about me. You you got uh, uh, but did I did I also read that you got a postgraduate um, degree as well? No, I started a master's program in early childhood education in Chicago, and. Um, Chicago was really difficult for me, having come from Southern California. Uh-huh. I went there in the fall. The temperature swings were 40 oh, degrees yeah. on any given yeah. day. I saw bars over windows. A policeman stopped mm. me one day from uh, going to a post office because he said I didn't belong in that neighborhood. Oh, my it was goodness. scary. Yes. Was this at Loyola University? 
It was. It was Loyola University. Um, but the Loyola University headquarters was in, well, it was in North Chicago, and they I had see. their school in the Hyde Park Bank Building in South oh. Chicago, which is near the Museum of Science and Industry. Interesting. That's very interesting. It's an interesting background. So you've had a you've had an enormous entrepreneurial career that we're going to really be speaking about today. And as I mentioned at the top, that you are the president, owner, and co-founder of Trade Press Services, which is a very simple uh, website for people to find if they just simply type tradepressservices.com. They'll find you. And I would also, because not every Jerry spells their name the same way, and maybe people don't know how to spell your last name, I'm going to spell it for people now if they want to look you up. So Jerry spells her name G-E-R-R-I, and her last name is spelled K-N-I-L. So look her up. She's out there. All right. So with that being said, let's talk about trade press services. Tell us about your 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 business. Well, uh, thank you for asking. Trade Press Services mm-hmm. is a strategic marketing communications firm that's been in business since 1995. Um, our mission and and what we do is provide three services: writing media outreach, and general marketing support to help clients increase visibility, credibility, and name recognition with their target audiences. So that's our mission. That's what we do. Our vision, which is very different, is to become the marketing partner of choice for companies that want to grow and thrive in any marketplace. And as part of our journey to that vision, we've written thousands of articles, hundreds of white papers, customer success stories, blogs, press releases, and even five books for clients. We have a performance-based business model and a 100% success rate in getting clients published in the media outlets they select. And most of our work is done with B2B clients, although... What does that mean? Business to business, as opposed to business to consumer. They're very different approaches to marketing. Interesting. Yes, you know, I'm going to interrupt you every now and then because what would seem uh, like something that's very familiar to you, those of us not in your Mm -hmm. world, wouldn't know what what B2B means. And I want to just ask another clarifying question, if you don't mind. I don't know what white paper means. A white paper is like a a school report, you know, 10 to 12 pages on a particular topic that represents a challenge in the marketplace, some proposed solutions, results of those when those solutions are implemented. Maybe okay, like a term I, paper. That's that. Thank you. Uh, you know, I I hope that if I don't know what that is, um, and maybe the business owners out there are very familiar with what this is, I like to represent those of us that might not be familiar with that. So I appreciate sure. you allowing me to interrupt you for glossary terms. So now I understand what a white paper is, and now I understand what B two B 
clients mean. So if you haven't completely lost your train of thought, um, can you take us, can I, can I allow you to continue with your services? Well, I, I think that list of services is pretty straightforward. Writing, mm-hmm. we ghostwrite content for clients, and I think that every business needs content. And they need content that's compelling, that resonates with the marketplace, that shows thought leadership, that demonstrates a company's ability to provide solutions to prospects and customers. So creating that content is is what we do. That's great. Does it does it matter the size of the business? No, not at all. We've worked with companies as small as solo practitioner consulting firms all the way up to big firms like 3M and Capital One and Dale Carnegie and Associates. Wow. Well, I can tell you for those of, well, you know this, but for those of you that will be visiting um, this website, you will see as you scroll down here, that um you have you personally your business has been um well um publicized on CBS Fox NBC ABC and um that's that says a lot about how you are recognized in this world and i think your website is sensational frankly and i think that if people want to get resources there's all kinds of information there, and um, I, I think it's terrific. I, I have I just had a curiosity. Have you ever thought about actually teaching something like this um, at a university, or frankly, at a at a, a junior college level, or even high school level? You know, I've thought about it, and in fact, during COVID, we wrote. Um, a marketing planning course for the Conejo um, Valley School District. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't well promoted and not enough people signed up for it, so we never gave it. That's too bad because I know that STEM is, you know, like the buzzword today in schools. Mm -hmm. But I think that what you offer as, as we continue our conversation is that you may spark that light in someone that says, you know what, I've always been a real, I'm shy, but I've always been a really good writer. I know how mm. to write. In fact, I studied journalism. I, I have a background in this, or I've, I've, I understand marketing. And I think that when you, when you provide services like that and maybe you inspire others to get in touch with you and, and be involved with you, I think is is just sensational. So it makes me wonder, what was your inspiration for starting your trade press services? Well, I wish I could say it was my inspiration, but it wasn't. Um, I've had three entrepreneurial ventures in my lifetime. The first was when I was in my early 20s and I owned and operated a preschool and kindergarten. And then in the 1970s, I was invited to participate in a marketing consulting 
practice. A solo practitioner wanted to grow his business, and he invited two of us to join him. And we worked together for about six years, and what we Mm. did was provide marketing consulting services to companies that didn't have marketing staff on board. And then Trade Press Services was the third entrepreneurial venture I've had. Well, it was my former partner in the marketing consulting practice that came to me with the concept for Trade Press Services. It was probably in 1994, 1995. And what he realized when we were working with clients in our consulting practice was that most of them wanted to get articles published in industry trade journals. They knew Mm. at that time that if they were seen in industry trade journals, that they would have greater credibility. And so... um, This was, of course, before the Internet. And at that time, traditional PR firms had the corner on that type of marketing tactic. They charged hefty retainer fees. And once you signed on the contract, they didn't always deliver. So my partner, his name is Cork Platts, P-L-A-T-T-S, was a visionary, but he, he wasn't an operations guy. So he tried to get his concept, his business for trade press services off the ground, working with some other associates, but no one was successful. And because we had maintained the friendship even after our consulting practice ended, he called me one day and he said, Jerry, I have this idea for trade press services. I think we should start a company that gets articles written and published for clients. He said, I've tried it, but I haven't had anybody be successful with it. And within two weeks, I had the company up and running, including systems, processes, and marketing materials, and I've never looked back. Wow, that's impressive. And, you know, I'm thinking, I'm I'm kind of visualizing this from, I think you said that you've been an entrepreneur since the mid, no, how long ago? You since are not my mid twenties. Since your mid twenties, so I mean, this is this is this is who you are professionally. Mm-hmm. But uh, sometimes, you know, our professions and our personalities and everything about us crosses over. We're not like, mm-hmm. well, you know, I'm Jekyll and then I'm Hyde. You're you you. That's who you are, and which means that. You know, you're a good listener, you're a good writer, you're a good visionary, you, you are organized in your thoughts. And um, so you mentioned, I believe, that you started in a preschool. That was your very first venture was the right. preschool? Okay. Yes. And then you moved over to the marketing business with your mm-hmm. with your friend, Cork. Yes. With interesting first name. Is it spelled like C-O-R-K or does he throw an E on yes. the end of it? Yes, it, it no, it's C-O-R-K, and I think it originally came from a cartoon character. Oh, how from, funny. You know, the 1930s or 40s or That's something like that. funny. I almost feel like I knew that. I don't know why. Um, so it sounds like you've had a lot of, uh, you know, you know. I guess what, what, what comes to my mind when we talk about entrepreneurs, because I've had a lot of different people, um, on my shows that have this as their business. In fact, 
I think that that's one of the things of connections that makes what I do so enjoyable for me um, is that who do I know that would be good for you to know because some of these people have classes that, that they come and take. I think one is at Dominguez Hills. And wouldn't it be interesting if you could come and just be a guest speaker about what you do? You know, I, I think that that's, I think that that's where my talent comes in. I, I don't at all consider myself an entrepreneur, but I think being a connector is just sort of in, inside my soul. And, um, I think about the fact you and I had talked about this, my, my, and great opportunity to be associated with the um, executive MBA program at Loyola Marymount University, my backyard practically, and what all of those people were doing, and so many of them were in exactly the fields that you're talking about. And um, you know, I could just, I, you know, I, I could just see you being that TED Talk person that's on a stage, just talking about what it is that you do, because I think people are are truly truly interested in this so based on that there must be some upsides and downsides so if i was to ask you what do you like best about entrepreneurship i would also like to know well what do you not like so much about it what 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 would your response be to the best and the not so best happy to talk about that but before i do i want to acknowledge you are a connector I know you, and I've seen you do that. And (laughs) I read a quote not too long ago that said, connection gives purpose and meaning to life. And I think you epitomize that. Oh, gosh. Gives purpose purpose and meaning to life. Okay, now, um, I've had kind of an emotional week, and you just touched my heartstrings. That was a very kind thing for you to say, and I, I've taken that in deeply into my heart. That was very generous, and, and I thank you very much for that beautiful sentiment. That that meant a lot to me. Oof. Okay. So <laughs> let me just kind of regroup myself here. So what? that was very sweet, Jerry. Um, so what do you really like? about entrepreneurship and, and maybe what you don't so uh, maybe you, which which where would you like to start would you like to start with the bad news or the good yeah. news first yeah <laughs> it's, it's the good news always okay first. so um having something that's my own is important i learned at a very young age that i didn't belong in corporate america with standard operating rules and procedures and punching a clock that just wasn't going to work for me So what I like best is being responsible for my own successes and failures. I find entrepreneurship rewarding. I like the autonomy. I like wearing many hats. And most of all, call it controlling, I like the power to say yes. Um, I feel a, a tremendous sense of pride, satisfaction, that comes from building processes and systems and seeing other people succeed because of the work that you do. So, you know, with entrepreneurship, the buck stops with you, and mm-hmm. and I really like that. That's, that's really, you know, if somebody was to say to me right this minute, 
I will give you a million dollars if you can effectively define the word entrepreneur. I'm not sure I would. I, I Maybe I'd get 20 bucks. So if you were going to actually define that term, could you do that for me? What does an entrepreneur mean? I mean to me, an entrepreneur is a business owner, a person who... Um, makes their own living not because they're paid a salary by somebody else. You have your own business venture, whether it's a product or a service, uh, doesn't matter. It's just having your own business. And I'm sure that there are broader definitions of entrepreneurship, Mm -hmm. but to me it's always meant owning my own business. Interesting. That's that. Thank you for allowing me to ask that question. Is there anything about being a business owner that kind of sucks, as the kids would say? Yeah, of course. <laughs> for me, there's there's no such thing as work life balance. It, okay. It's always work. It's something um, that I do. I don't know from you know whether it's five thirty in the morning or eight o'clock at night. Um, so I also struggle as I get older with succession planning and figuring out how and when to retire. So that, you know, that's stress producing and anxiety ridden decisions. It sure is. Uh, uh, Like any other business executive, I hate losing good people. I've Mm -hmm. always had the feeling and I tell people I, I work with if if our relationship and what you do at Trade Press Services doesn't work for you anymore, tell me and let me help you find something that does. Nice. At the same time, it's hard because it puts a wrench in operations. It takes time to find and train and onboard new people and sort of rebuild the team. Mm-hmm. And... You know, there's there's another reality which may not be the same for others, but I can never really get away from work. I don't know what a vacation is without the technology that keeps us connected. I would never think of going on a trip, whether it's for one day or two weeks or a month, without logging into my email, processing work. Mm-hmm. So it's it's never quite getting away. You know, in, in the good old bad days in the 60s and 70s, <laughs> when you went on vacation, you went on vacation, and you didn't right. report back to anybody until you came home. So you know, what's that interesting is difficult. Well, I think the other thing that's very interesting about that is technology has changed our world. We are yes. just a click away from anywhere in the world. Well, you could we, outer space. We are a click away from anything, anyone, and I know that there are certainly pros and cons to all of that. How to how much time you're going to spend doing that? How social media is and isn't working for you? I know that there's a lot of information about what people do and don't like 
about where we are in technology today. You don't even see small children without a phone in their hand any longer. Mm And I think the pandemic has absolutely played a part in that. Kids were not going to school for two years. They had to figure out how they could socialize, what they could do, how they could entertain themselves. And I think the cell phone has sort of, you know, interrupted television for for many. And um, so it, it's just we, we are definitely, just like you and I growing up in the 60s and the Vietnam War hmm. and 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 outer space and i mean positive things that truly right. did happen sure um we um uh, we've lived through a lot of different things um you and i in our lives mm-hmm. but i would say that and i'm looking at your team um do you have more than just the five members of your team on your website are there more because i know you you have expert writers but are there more than just the five team members on your website We've just recruited two new individuals who were onboarding. And then, as you mentioned, I have 11 writers who work for me who are not uh, included on our website. I see. Well, I'm going to just tell you that one of the things that I am seeing as I look at your team is something very specific, and that is based on this Based on this, and, and, and maybe this mm-hmm. is maybe it will be updated. You just said you just you're onboarding some mm-hmm. new people. They're all women. Um, are you and are you considered a yes. woman women's own company? I am a woman owned company. Um, m- many of our writers are male, uh-huh. but for some reason, uh, our company seems to attract females, and I think it's because. People are working as independent contractors, and it's part-time. So mm-hmm. it's not the type of working relationship that you would consider as a traditional employer, you know, a nine-to-five job. And mm-hmm. so for that reason, I think we attract you know, women who are looking to maybe supplement their household income without committing full-time because they uh-huh. have other interests, activities, children. Right. That's very interesting, Jerry. Um, it it kind of takes me to my next thought, which is um, what personality traits or characteristics, characteristics do, you, do you have that have contributed to your success? Although I think I could probably answer that for you, but <laughs> give it a shot. <laughs> Well, I, I'm driven. I'm organized. I'm yes. achievement oriented. Uh, I can multitask. I'm not sure if that's good or bad, though. I seem to know what needs to be done and find ways to do it. Um, so I, I think those are the main traits that sure. I have. That's good to know. And I would also venture to say that depending upon your age, um, and we are around the same age, you and I. Mm-hmm. Um, multitasking at times can be your enemy because yeah. you start one thing, you start another, and then you don't remember where you left your keys and what day is it. <laughs> and it's like, oh my God, I forgot I needed to answer that email. Oh, I sent the email. That's the wrong email address. It went to so and so. It was supposed to go and so and so. So I work at trying not 
to multitask, <laughs> but it's a challenge. <laughs> oh, it's a challenge. So it, it what do is you think because of, you have don't to you think? assess. Yeah, I think it's a challenge so, because you have to assess what's urgent and what's not. Right. And so perhaps emptying the dishwasher isn't as important as responding to that email at the same time. Okay. So when you think about mentors, mm-hmm. were there, were there, who were your mentors as you were coming through this, this grand career of yours? Well, I think early on my parents were the closest thing that mm-hmm. I had to mentors. You know, you learn from your parents, and you, do. you learn from what they say and what they don't say, and the looks you get. And the <laughs> so I learned um, organization, I learned resiliency, I learned study mm. skills and list making from my dad. He mm-hmm. he was a, a chemist. He had a PhD in chemistry and was very wow. scientific and by the book. And my mother was very different. Um, I learned generosity and compassion and kindness from my mother. Um, She graduated from college where she met my dad, but she was a stay-at-home mom until my parents divorced. So they were my earliest mentors. Um, I had a fourth-grade teacher who I still remember to this day. Uh, She was Mm. a stickler for English. And... I think that helped me in my career in communications. I mean, I learned how to conjugate verbs. I learned how to spell. I learned how to uh, construct sentences. I learned how to storytell. So I'm very grateful for the uh, foundation she gave me. Um, other than that, I, I didn't have many mentors growing up. I think more formal mentors and coaches are a modern-day phenomenon. Um, mm-hmm. you know, that said, my main mentor, of course, as an adult, was Cork Platts, my partner in the marketing consulting firm I talked about earlier. Right. Um, the firm was called Platts, Adams, and Klosterman, which was my name at the time. And Cork taught me the value of listening, always having an agenda, taking notes when someone else is talking, asking questions, and always being on time. In fact, uh, when I first joined his consulting practice, he handed me 59 rules for client servicing. And I tried to follow them very carefully. Uh Uh, the, The one that stands out in my mind the most is he said, when someone asks you to do something, follow the 24-hour rule. And I thought, oh, my God, you have to get what everything done within 24 hours. Wow. Now, what he said is you have to get back to them within that time period to let them know when you will complete the task or the job that's been requested. Oh. So it's not that you have to complete everything in 24 hours, but you do have to communicate within 24 hours that when you'll get the job done so he was a mentor and then another client of mine Roy Chitwood who was president of Max Sachs International which was a sales training and consulting firm was another mentor of mine he 
he taught the track selling system, which is a seven-step process based on science. And as part of that system, I learned the value of building rapport and the importance of it and showing an interest in other people and being well-prepared. So those are some of the different experiences I had with mentors. It sounds like they've really influenced you, which then takes me to a thought. They've they've had an enormous influence on you. You've just described all these different ways, whether it was organizational skills or generosity, the different things we learn. Um, we, We grew up in entirely different households. My parents, neither one of my parents were college educated. My father was a civil servant. He was retired military. My mom could sew. She made every single thing I ever wore to school, and she knit every single sweater I ever wore to school. And back in those days, you know, you grew up out here too. You could not wear (laughs) pants to school. And so, you know, we'd go to J.C. Penney's or we'd go to wherever there was a fabric store, and, you know, I'd pick out my wraparound skirt material and my dress Mm -hmm. material and, oh, let's go to the knit shop and she'll make a sweater that matches it. So in many ways, that that did influence me too. Um, uh, And my father was was military so he was organized we we were we were a routine family dinner was at 5 30 that's when you ate yeah. and my husband was an engineer hello he's kind of the same mentality so it's very very interesting the things that i've learned along the way um whether i would call that a mentor or you know the big word right now is influencers i mean if you ask me to define that in today's i can define pivot all right i i know what pivot is it's not just a basketball term which is how i usually hear the word pivot so i mean i have tried to modernize my vocabulary but it sounds like you've learned a lot from the people that you've just described to me I have, and I've been very fortunate because I think about it, and I capture, mm-hmm. I can hear their voices in my mind. Mm. So I'm very That's lucky. nice. Yes. So what do you think, when you, when you reflect, and, and that's another word that I think is not overused at all today is reflection. It's more than just what you see in the mirror. When you When you think about your life, um, what do you think would have been different if you hadn't chose the path you've been on all these years? You know, it's it's hard to say. That's uh-huh. deep, isn't it? <laughs> it's really, really hard to say because uh-huh. we don't know. Um, yeah. I think back, my, my dad really wanted me to be a flight attendant so that he could have travel benefits. <laughs> That's but, funny. But, that wasn't who I was. Um, yeah. And in some ways, I think I fell into entrepreneurship. You know, yes, while well, I was going to college and, and as a young adult, I worked at PacBell in data processing, and I hated it. And so that's where I think I learned that I didn't belong in the corporate world. But if anybody had said you know, well, where do you belong? I wouldn't have been able to identify that. Um, 
Hmm. So I I think it I fell into entrepreneurship. I'm so grateful. I've learned so much, and I think most importantly, it's given me the opportunity to meet a lot of people in many different walks of life, and also to travel, which has been yeah. a passion of mine for many years. Absolutely. You know, Jerry, I was thinking about that mentoring that we were just speaking about. Mm-hmm. Do you see, when you look in the mirror, do you see that you are indeed a mentor to these young people that are on your team and that you come in contact with? Would they call you their mentor? I, I don't know. Um, I think there were different generations and mm-hmm. I think in some ways it's hard to for my team members to come to me because I'm the boss and and they oh. don't they don't want to look stupid or they're afraid to ask questions or you know oh. I I just don't I don't know if they see me as mentors my friends see me as mentors my friends mm-hmm. see me as somebody who has lived a long life and who has something valuable to say and to share. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's you know, maybe because I have a philosophy of life. Um, part of it comes from a client uh, who you've met, Dr. Erica Miller. And oh, yeah. She says, live life with guts, grit, and gusto. And I right. believe in that. I believe mm-hmm. you're responsible for your own happiness. I believe in the expression of kindness and the importance of gratitude and being a good listener. And don't sweat the small stuff. And promise mm-hmm. a lot and div- deliver more. Follow up and follow through. And these are the things I've learned along the way. How it gets translated to people in my organization, I'm not sure. You'd probably have to interview them to find out. Yes, well, my guess is they do see you as mentors, a mentor. And, you know, it's funny. I'm sitting here in my office. I have a lot of stuff in my office. I'm a stuff person. There's pictures of my husband. There's pictures of my father and my father-in-law, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. But there's also some words that are right in front of me right now. And one of them is manage your expectations and wow. trust the process. I love that. And both of those um, I see. Oh, and patience is up there too. Hello. But, um, <laughs> but you know, trusting the process and managing your expectations, that, that goes along with to, to somebody in any industry, whatever it is that you do. But um, as a value person, um, what do you think are the values that really drive your company and your personal life. I feel like you've probably pretty much covered that, haven't you? Is there anything you wanted to add to that? You know, these are words that come to mind, but it's really the expression of the words that's important. Mm -hmm. So respect, trust, integrity, transparency, kindness, caring, authenticity, these are the values that we say drive our company, and I hope I embody them. And I hope that in my interactions with everybody, whether it's a client, a vendor, a prospect, 
or a team member or a friend that they would agree that we strive to live in that way and mm-hmm. behave in that way. And, you know, Jerry, the thing is, if it wasn't internally the authentic you, mm-hmm. you wouldn't be able to do any of that because then you're, right. then you're, um, you're, you're masking yourself as a performer and not really being the authentic person that I know you are. And so well, thank by you. by but and you know and I think that people people can read the non-authentic person. I think that they can. I I'd like to think that if somebody is just giving me lip service that I understand that this mm-hmm. they're just they're just doing what they need to do but they could care less about it. Um I I'm a person that believes very, very strongly that one of the most difficult jobs today is being a customer service person for whatever that business might be, whatever that business might be. And oftentimes not even in this country. It doesn't matter. What matters is if I've got a problem and I've been somehow relegated to you and having you help me with this, and you have, I always always ask is your supervisor available and if they say no i say is there a way that i'm going to get a survey is there a way that i can communicate to your boss what exceptional service you gave me and i would like to challenge that if we all did that i mean granted you know if you're just yelling at some customer service person how how willing are they to want it's like oh god how do i really have to help you you've just been screaming at me right now i can hardly wait to help you you know imagine if you start with kindness which is one of those terms you used mm-hmm. um how much you can achieve by just using humanity as your guide i don't know that's just kind of the way i live and oh. and maybe and you and i would imagine that you live the same way I, I do, and I always look for an opportunity to compliment somebody mm-hmm. with sincerity, not Absolutely. just lip service. You and bet. I agree with you that customer service positions are really tough, sometimes because of the corporate culture, sometimes mm-hmm. because they don't have the authority to do the right thing. True. You know, That's very and, true. And so... I I think it's wonderful that you want to acknowledge uh, somebody who's solved a problem for you or done a good job when you've called in. Um, Right. Yeah, it doesn't happen too often, unfortunately. I had a recent episode with an airline when I was Mm. in New York trying to get back to Los Angeles. And um, I'm just wondering if the manager called you because they didn't call me back. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> you know, oh sometimes they say they're yeah. going to call you back and they they don't and they, and they you don't know, and then you want to go through and call them again and stay on hold and repeat the story three times. It's right. It, it's frustrating. Yeah. So based on what you just said, mm-hmm. and I know we could talk, we could, you and I could really speak for hours. Mm-hmm. Are there any routines or practices that you follow? that help you manage your day? I bet you do. I bet you have some. I do. 
I do. I I start every day with a morning walk or a hike or an exercise class. And that's important to me because it mm-hmm. it puts me in the right frame of mind. It gets me out of the anxiety. I'm not worried about what I should have done yesterday or what I'm going to do in an hour. It puts me in the moment. So that's really important. Yeah. Um, I I always have a to-do list. I'm, mm-hmm. you know, I, I check too. things off. I get pleasure out of that. Yes. Uh, I, yes. There's always a tablet I, somewhere. Uh, yeah. Oh my God. I read emails and I respond early in the morning. It's, yep. Uh, because I think that's important. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just started a routine that somebody suggested oh. about a month ago. And they said, when you get up in the morning... Ask yourself three questions. What am I willing to let go of? What am I grateful for? And what will I focus on today? And I think those are really important. What am I willing to let go of? Mm -hmm. What was the second one? What am I grateful for? Oh, yeah, I I absolutely start every day with that. What am I grateful for? And what will I focus on today? And what will I focus on today? I love that. You know, in many ways, I guess um, I what I don't do is what, you, what your first one was, which is what my daughter will say to me, Mom, Mom, what can you let go of? It's like, I know, Julie, I know. Um, so, um, but I am, I do live a grateful life. Um, I know you have strong feelings about lifelong education and what schools of all levels should be teaching. What, what, is, your, what is your thought about education? Well, I, I'm not an educator by training. I, in fact, when I bring on board new people, I think I am not the best trainer, and mm. I should probably turn that over to one of my colleagues. But that being said, I believe the school system in California has really deteriorated to a level that is unacceptable. And in addition to students not having academic skills, you know, reading, comprehension, writing, and verbal communications, students don't learn what's really important in life. You know, who teaches them about building relationships or how to make decisions or how to be a part of a community or the value of volunteering or life skills. Mm-hmm. You know, they just don't get that in school. No. Um, I came across a program. It is. Mm-hmm. I came across a program a while back when I was doing volunteer work for Tri-Counties Regional Center, which is a nonprofit organization that serves the developmentally disabled. And we were doing some board education, and the program is called Character Counts. And oh, my yes. sister, who, I know, you know about that, Michael Counts. Joseph. Joseph. Yep. I think he was a Y member. I know him. Yeah. I, Go ahead. I'm sorry. I got excited when you said incredible. that. Incredible. And yep. I think it belongs in every school district, starting in elementary school. Mm-hmm. You know, it teaches ethics and values that every individual should learn. And I, my sister, uh, who lives in Maryland, taught it at her children's 
um, grammar school several, several years ago when they were young. But I don't think that it's really being taught throughout, you know, the school districts in California or any place else, and I, I think that's such a shame. So. That's unfortunate, yes. You know, you, you and I have had conversations um, mm-hmm. beyond this podcast that we're having, and you told me if you wrote a book, it would be called you Got to Be Kidding. All right. So tell me, what's the subtitle under that? What's that all about, Alfie? Well, you know, it's funny because I don't consider myself a victim, but I've certainly experienced my share of losses. And Mm -hmm. when I tell people my life story, they shake their heads and they say to me, you've got to be kidding. So my parents uh, divorced when I was 13, and I became the mother to my younger brother so my mom could go out and learn a living. So I feel like I lost some of my childhood. Mm-hmm. Then um, after I got married, my father told me he would no longer pay for my education. So I lost financial support. He said, married lady, adult, pay for your own education. Then. Uh, when I was 21, I gave birth to a son who's now 54, who's developmentally disabled. He has a genetic disorder called Fragile X. But he's taught me so much about what's important, so I'm lucky there. Uh, when I moved to Malibu when I was 30, uh, we were there for about three weeks. My house burned down. Three weeks from moving to the ground. Wow. My son was hit by a car in a crosswalk on Gosher Boulevard in Santa Monica. Broad daylight, mm-hmm. a lady just ran through the crosswalk. Oh, yeah. He got a broken hip and a broken leg, and um, it took him about six months in rehab to recover. And at that time, you know, we didn't have cell phones, so you know, trying to get in touch with me or find me because I was working was mm-hmm. difficult. And then, oh, my husband and I were in a serious car accident where the car was totaled and he had to be cut out of the jaws of life. That was in 2006. And uh, in 2015, my husband was diagnosed with dementia. He passed away in 2020. So there have been lots of losses and Mm -hmm. and disruption in my life. And I, I shake my head, but I'm not a victim. I keep going. I value right. life. You know, um, that's that explains why you are able to do what you do. You you are not paralyzed. And sometimes when I'm complaining to my kids about, oh my God, I've got this, I got this, it's like, Mom, pull back. And I said, well, you know, I understand why you said that. But what would I do if I wasn't doing what I loved? Maybe I need to manage it a little bit better. Maybe I don't have to be as involved in everything. But the point is, is when you gave me that incredible conversation about um, connections gives purpose um, to my life and the meaning of my life, it's absolutely the truth. And when you said character counts, you heard me. I immediately interrupted you. Mm-hmm. The YMCA, when I was working there from 95 to 2005, that was the program. Michael Josephson was 
that man. I'm afraid to ask you, but I'm going to. Is he still alive? I don't know. I don't either, but I can tell you when we're off the air, I'm going to Google him um, because I am curious to know that. But, um, you know, for those people that are listening and have really sort of heard about you, what would you like people to take away from listening to this podcast with me today? Well, um, I guess there are a lot of things. Um, First of all, entrepreneurship or owning your own business can be very exciting and a rewarding journey for people who want something that is their own, who thrive on autonomy and flexibility and the power to say yes. Um, Secondly, whether you work for yourself or someone else, it's important to have a vision and a mission. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think every business needs one. I think every individual needs one. And families mm-hmm. need one together, yes. too, I think. I agree. Um, I learned many lessons on my journey. Um, you're you're responsible for your own happiness, the value of follow-up and follow-through promising a lot and delivering more and as Dr. Erica Miller said, live life with guts, grit and gusto. Yeah. Um the importance of routines, whether they're personal or professional, they provide structure mm-hmm. and focus to your day. Yes. And last but not least, the value of lifelong learning. If you read 15 minutes a day, you will have read 18 books in a year. What could be better? Wow. I never thought of that. That's very interesting what you just said. Huh. That could be something I could add to my routine. I'm a routine person just like you. So I appreciate everything that you just said. But in the time that we have left together, because I know that you love to travel, and I know some of the places that you've been, do you want to just... Maybe share a traveling story for our listeners to just hear that other side of when you're not at work, what you love about traveling. Well, my first international trip was to Japan. I was 23. I went by Mm -hmm. myself. My friends and other people I know were traveling to Europe. They were backpacking, and I just had to be different. So my father said to me, don't wait as long as I did to travel. Some people go into debt for cars or houses. You know, if you have to take out a loan to travel. He was 40 when he started traveling. So I said to him, how about a loan? Uh And he gave it to me, and I planned a trip to Japan. And I had worked in a Japanese restaurant and hotel, and so I knew a little bit of the language and the culture. Um, And when I went to Japan, people weren't used to seeing women traveling alone. They weren't accustomed to seeing blondes unless they were movie stars. So I had many young children come up to me, and they wanted to touch me. And they asked me for my autograph, thinking I was an wow. actress. They, wow. they also wanted to practice their English. Mm-hmm. So um, it was a fascinating time. I was very adventuresome. I 
I stayed in ryokans, which are Japanese inns where you sleep on tatami mats on the floor. Mm. I ate fish and rice for breakfast. I mm. went down the Arashiyama River in Kyoto in a sampan like they did hundreds of years ago fishing. I visited Peace Park in Nagasaki. Peace Park has a huge statue with like a Buddha with one mm. finger pointing up to the sky, you know, symbolic wow. of the atom bomb that was dropped. Mm. And, um, you know, it was it was just such a, a rewarding experience, and it it fueled my interest, and I started traveling about every year thereafter. Um, and I, I've been all over the world, and I'm very fortunate. I admire the fact that at the age of 23, you went to Japan. They were they speaking English? Were they were they bilingual? Very, were you able to communicate? Very little. They okay. They certainly so, were, would try in the big cities, but not in some of the smaller um, towns and, and countryside mm-hmm. places that I visited. And Is you there, know, when you know a little bit of yes. Japanese or any language. You get in trouble because you speak what you know, but then you can't understand the response. Exactly. That's so funny. That is so funny. Is there a place in this world that you have not gone to that's on your bucket list, as we say? Yes, there are two. Um, Whoa, one is where? Morocco. I've never okay. been to Morocco. And I've never been to a safari in Africa. And okay, so put me on that list because I have, I have a contact. I I would not be one to be as adventurous as you and travel by myself, but I would travel with you. I have been to South Africa. I have a, I I've had the Nataba people on my podcast. Um, they arranged, it was through LMU when I was going with my friend. We, mm-hmm. we were in Africa. And, um, oh, my, and I've been on safari. And if I was to ever, if you were to ever come into my house and I could just point to the pictures of, oh. you know, these animals and these, oh, it was just, it was unbelievable. And, um, that is something worth seeing. It was probably, for me, the most exciting place. I had ever visited ever so um, if it's on your bucket list and it's on my bucket list we might want to put our bucket list together at some point sounds like Um, a good plan to me I know I would thoroughly enjoy traveling with you well I think we would we would have a good time and and as you mentioned you know people with their different cultures and it was so fascinating Jerry because um, in Johannesburg, where um, wait Cape Town, I'm trying to think now. It's been so long since I was there. Um, I think it was Johannesburg. Um, you know, it, there was a lot of wealth there, but I also went to Soweto, and I also went to places where people were living in containers, and that's where oh, they wow. lived. But what 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 they all all had in common whether they were the very wealthy or the very poor everyone had a smile on their face Isn't the that people amazing? in africa were overwhelmingly as phenomenal as every single 
lion, tiger, and bear, oh my, that I saw. It was, the people were sensational, and the food's not bad. But I'm just saying, you know, it, traveling does um, does open up our eyes to experiences. And, you know, this pandemic has certainly gotten away from many of us to do those kinds of things as well. But what I really hope that people take away from our show together today is how passionate you are about what it is you do and why you do it and who benefits by this. And I can assure you this is, this is the humble side of you. Why did my hand go to my heart? This is the humble side of you. You are Thank a mentor. You, you are Thank a you mentor. So much. And, and you do that out of your own kindness and generosity of just being Jerry. And I'm just really grateful that you spent this hour with me and that people that have listened to this conversation um, can take something away from this and contact you and learn more. And I will make sure that when I do post our, my, our follow-up blog, obviously I will embed this link. It will go across every podcast app that's out there. So I would encourage you, if you are somebody that loves podcasts and you search Born to Talk Radio Show on any podcast app you have, my sweet little face will show up and you can hit follow or subscribe, whatever it says, and you will continue to hear amazing people doing what they love and this is an this is an example of that jerry and i'm just i'm very very grateful that you spent this time with me today it's been wonderful well thank you for having me i really appreciate it my pleasure and okay stay tuned everybody we'll let you know when we plan make our african trip but for now we're not going to be going to africa so um i will let you resume your activities for the day and like I said, everybody, there are five Mondays in in October, so Marsha's going to be a busy girl, and I look forward to having you join me. I'm taking next Monday off just because. So until next time, everybody, thank you so much. Have a lovely, wonderful day. Bye for now, everybody.